0: Welcome to The Making of Historian, a podcast chronicling one grad student's attempt to study for his comprehensive exams. Now, if I said that something was Victorian, what would that bring up in your mind? A bunch of connotations, probably not a lot of them good. It would bring up ideas of something being stuffy, old-fashioned, sexless. Maybe there would be like lace where no lace should ever be. Um, maybe even something squalid, Dickensian. Uh, Marx's satanic mills of factories filled with young children with sooty faces getting their hands mangled up in machines. But to me, most of all, when I think of Victorianism, I think of this idea of something being hypocritically moralistic. We imagine a big, frock-coated, fat man with a top hat who's lecturing a, some poor washerwoman about the values of thrift and ingenuity. Now today, I started wondering why I have that image of this hypocritically moralistic Victorian era in my head, and what that meant for me teaching history, and frankly, whether it was true. Importantly, this view of Victorianism as stuffy and hypocritically moralistic isn't the only one out there. Margaret Thatcher, for instance, famously extolled Victorian values. And you have to excuse me, because I'm not going to do a a, a Margaret Thatcher impression I wish I could, but I can't. So here's Margaret Thatcher on Victorian values and what they meant. We were taught to work jolly hard. We were taught to prove yourself. We were taught self-reliance. We were taught to live within our income. You were taught that cleanliness is next to godliness. You were taught self-respect. You were taught always to give a hand to your neighbor. You were taught tremendous pride in your country. All of these things are Victorian values. They are also perennial values. I imagine as I read that, a finger wagging at me invisibly, telling me all of the things I've done wrong with my life. Um, obviously, I'm not a good carrier of Victorian values. Well, in response to that, the leader of the opposition of the time said that, contrary to Margaret Thatcher's definition, that, quote, the Victorian values that ruled were cruelty, misery, drudgery, squalor, and ignorance. And I don't think that we give any other people, any other time in our history, both such a clear personality and one that is up to such contemporary moral debate. And I wonder why. Why, why do these Victorians seem so, so stuffy, so, so annoying? So I've been thinking about this all day, and I, I have two ideas of why the Victorians might have provoked so much contemporary ire. The first is that the Victorians took themselves so very, very seriously. I mean, and we're not even going to talk about their mawkish prose and all the little Dorits of the world and all the, the, the weeping sentimentality of it all. No, the Victorians thought of themselves as heavily moral. And we're not talking here about that historical myth that the Victorians were sexually repressed and so much so that they covered up the legs of their pianos because to see a leg would send somebody into a fainting fit or something. No, their morality was something else. They held themselves to a stern appreciation of public virtue, even when they did not hold themselves to any kind of, 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 of belief in a divine power or anything. So an example of this is, is, comes from Gladstone. Gladstone was one of the two great politicians of the Victorian era. His nickname was the Grand Old Man. I mean, imagine how big of a politician you have to be to get the nickname of Grand Old Man. Um, and so Gladstone was, was, was this, this symbol of, 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 of intense moral probity. And after his death, a diary was discovered where he recorded all of his indiscretions his lapses kind of frequent into masturbation, his obsession with prostitutes. He wouldn't have sex with the prostitutes as far as we could tell. He would take the prostitutes and welcome them into his house and and, and ply them with Bible tracts. Um, When the immorality got too much for Gladstone, he'd do more than just record it in his diary. He'd whip himself to beat the sin out of him. Now, my first... Reaction. maybe your first reaction into hearing this is to just think of that hypocritical morality. To think, oh God, look at this dude. Just get over yourself. Nobody cares about you masturbating so much that you need to whip yourself over and over again. But there's so much more noteworthy here than simply an old man who likes ogling prostitutes so much that he feels guilty about it. First is the fact that he's writing all this down in his diary at all. For Gladstone, it seems, he himself was an object of moral reform. He was doing the same thing to himself that the liberal state did to the rest of the populace. He was surveilling himself. He was chastising himself. And maybe this is the second reason that the Victorians seem to us to be so hypocritical. Because they brought their dark side up into the public so often in order, ideally, that it could be improved. I mean, the whole idea of the liberal state was to send out commissioners to to find out the the, the problems with the world and then to get civil society to do something about it. You see this so much that I, I I I can't even think of a good example. I mean, well, with slavery in the in the beginning of the nineteenth century, you have groups of reformers who, who want to abolish the slave trade and slavery all over the world. And what do they do? Well they document the the abuses and the injustices of the slave trade. They publish uh, a, a pamphlets showing how cramped the uh, uh, slave ships were. They publish statistics showing how many people died in the slave trade. They publish stories of 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 slaves showing how 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 dehumanized they got. And they campaigned after all of this publication was done, after public opinion was changed. They campaigned for government to do something about it. I mean, one of the reasons why we have such good data about the conditions of many working people in factories is because people at the time were freaked out about the working conditions of people in factories. I mean, after there were things like uh, uh, collapses in mines that killed children, the Victorians went out and they had a commission. They investigated stuff. They generated facts. But I mean, there's a dark side to all this. This publicizing impulse could could often get out of control. Um, One of the big moments of this publicizing impulse is the the new journalism. Um, In the new journalism, a bunch of intemperate writers in in London um, would go off from the middle class and upper class areas and explore the dark continent. That's what one of them called it, literally the dark continent um, of London. Um, the bad parts of town, the East End, where the, the super, super, super poor people lived, and they would write about it. They'd bring back stories of the moral decay. Um, in the 1880s, this led to a series of moral panics about uh, what was happening in, in right under the noses of, of, of the British uh, uh, metropolis. Um, one of the the most notable was set off by the journalist W. T. Stead, who wrote a series of articles called the maiden tribute of modern Babylon. And in this, he he went over to the, the, the brothels of the East End, and he uncovered this seedy underbelly where rich and powerful men were going off and deflowering young women, selling them into white slavery, ruining their lives, leaving them in pits of pregnancy and death. The article caused a huge sensation. Um, There was a demonstration at Hyde Park where a quarter of a million people went out and protested the uh, conditions of of female prostitutes in the East End. It led to very swiftly to government legislation called the Criminal Law Amendment Act. It raised the age of consent from 13 to 16. Um, It also made it a lot easier for the police to prosecute prostitutes and brothel keepers. But then it also made sex between men illegal. There were also civil society pressures that that happened in response to this. There were social purity groups. There were vigilance associations who scoured the streets trying to reform prostitutes. But, I mean, Stead was probably overblowing it. He probably made a lot of the stuff up. And in a weird twist to this story, he was actually imprisoned on kidnapping charges after it turned out that in a fit of excitement and, and moral reform that he went off and he purchased a 12-year-old from someone. Now, there's another moral panic that W.T. Stead got into that you probably know a lot better, and that's Jack the Ripper. It happened only about three years later. And in this we have a similar sort of situation. This idea of a dark evil happening in the, in the wild streets of London. Something that was happening to the unprotected woman who was who was, by the cruel fate of the modern world, thrust into the public to sell her body. It was made public by a series of grisly descriptions in in, in the press each with, with, with drawings and, and vivid descriptions and anatomical details. And the moralized stories about the murder placed in the press gave fear to people that was probably not entirely justified. But maybe that's not the real reason why we get so grumpy at the Victorians. Maybe that, that, that overreach, that, that moral panic, isn't, isn't what irks us. Maybe it's the fact that they were so cozy, that they were so sure of themselves and their morality, that they were so certain that by uncovering these things that good could be done, when to us it is so clear that their coziness and their certainty and their prosperity was based on an unequal economic system, an economic system that crushed people both at home and abroad. I mean, you can just look at the people who surround these eminent Victorians, at the washerwomen, the beggars, the cotton spinners who choked to death on cotton dust, the miners killed by collapsing mines, the prostitutes. And of course, the Victorians were all conscious of this. They all made tons and tons of of writing that was wringing its hands about these abuses. But reform came too slow, or perhaps it came not at all. Maybe that's why we're so grumpy at the Victorians. Because they, like us, are conscious of the injustices of their uh, uh, society. And they, like us, despite that consciousness, fail to do anything great to change it. So thanks for listening today. Uh, I hope you had fun. I had some fun. Thanks, as always, to Jonathan Lear, who uh, gave us our wonderful intro and outro music. You can find his album Reflection on Bandcamp. A link to that is on our website, historian.live, where you can also find show notes that include links to all of the books that I read today to get all of this wonderful information out to you. Uh, We're also up on iTunes. Um, You can search for us, Making of Historian, find us. If you like it, rate us and review us. It actually really, really, really helps, so I'm told, by all the other podcast presenters who urge their listeners to rate and review.